Welcome, and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. So some of y'all know that when we kicked off City Bridge back on January the 3rd, we asked and answered a question is, who is going to get the glory at City Bridge Community Church? And we just unequivocally just said, hey, this is about Jesus and about his glory. That's what we want to be about. And so as we were thinking about uh, Palm Sunday and Easter, this kind of this phrase, kind of glory glimpses, Kind of, kind of caught our imagination, and we started kind of messing around with that. And as we were studying, uh, I ran across uh, uh, a couple of verses that it's really kind of embarrassing to admit as the lead pastor here. But I'm like, have I ever read that before? And I, I don't know if, about you, but sometimes I just read God's word, and things just pop differently than they have previously. But, uh, but I know there's two places in the scripture when God's voice literally comes down from heaven. It's the loud, booming voice. And I've known about at Jesus's baptism where that voice just said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's one. The other is at the transfiguration where Jesus is transfigured. The booming voice comes out of heaven. It says, this is my uh, beloved son. Listen to him. And so, and I, I've known those, have talked about those before, but I stumbled across this passage. So let's just read it together. Okay. And this is as Jesus is having a conversation with Philip and Andrew just after he's gone into Jerusalem the week of Passover. This isn't the garden conversation, this is before that. But in John 12, 27 and 28, it says, Now my soul has become troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. Have you seen that before? I, I, good, thank you. Somebody said yes. I'm like, that just hit me different. And so when God speaks from heaven, that's important. And then what he says is really important and he says right here is that I have glorified my name already. And so I think best I can tell, he's talking about Jesus' 33 years on this earth. I've been glorifying by name, Jesus, my son, by the way you have lived these 33 years. And now I am about to glorify it again. And he's days away from the crucifixion and the resurrection. And so as I read that, I'm like, I don't even think I know what glory means. We, we've talked about it, and so I did the worst thing that you can do. I went to a dictionary, okay? And so let me just tell you what the dictionary says. The definition of glory says, is used to describe the manifestation of God's presence as perceived by humans according to the Abrahamic religions. Ah, that doesn't even come close to talking about what glory is, and it comes from... Uh, the Latin word that means uh, fame, renown. It has this idea of weight and significance to it, honor to it. 
And some of you know that Eugene Peterson's one of my one of my favorite authors, and I was reading one of his books. Peterson, this is a quote from him, and it just kind of set me free. Here's what he says. He just says, a dictionary is of minimal help in getting a sense of the compacted energy that radiates from its syllables, meaning the word glory. We need the entire story of Jesus as given us by our four master gospel storytellers. And then we need that story backed up and filled in with the the entire story of creation and covenant in Torah and in prophets and apocalypse. We can't comprehend glory in bits and pieces. We need the story from beginning to end. So the only way we really understand what that means is when we understand all of scripture, all of God's word. But we're gonna do our best we can today, okay? Because I want to help you, I wanna help me have eyes to see and ears to hear when God does glory or when there's glory happening. That's what I wanna accomplish this morning is that we see it when it happens because I think we're blind to it. I think we miss today so much of what God is doing and therefore we don't glorify God. And so I wanna help you see it and then I wanna help you give God glory and put him in the place that he deserves. Because remember, one of these days, every knee's gonna confess, every, every, uh, knee can, every knee bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's gonna happen one of these days. And so I want it to happen as much as possible right now with City Bridge Community Church. So let's learn how do we give God glory. And so it kind of starts for us in Jesus' 30, first 30 30 years of ministry. We really don't have much. The scriptures, the gospel storytellers don't give us much. But then in the last three years of his life, we get a ton on who Jesus is and how he operated. We know that he turned the water to wine. We know that he stilled the sea. We know that he healed blind men. He healed people who were lame. He healed people who were demon-possessed. We know that he raised people from the deads. We know that there were those defining moments of baptism and transfiguration that happened. So we got these glory glimpses all along the way. And I just wanna take a minute. It's one of my favorite scenes when it comes to Easter. And I think it's a little five or 10 minute window in the garden when they're coming to arrest Jesus. So they've been praying, the disciples, or if you know the story, more like sleeping, right, when they should have been praying. Jesus wakes them up, looks across the Kidron Valley, okay, and here comes a mob with lanterns and torches and swords, and they approach Jesus, and Jesus, uh, and they said, they said, who are you seeking? And they said, hey, Jesus the Nazarene, and Jesus says three words, I am he. I am, sound familiar? like the Old Testament name for Jesus, and the mob just went, (laughs) fell to their knees, it says. And then they kind of dust themselves off, and they get up, and they start to arrest Jesus. Good old Peter pulls out his sword, whack, and he cuts off Malchus's ear, okay? And so Malchus's ear falls to the ground right there, and so Jesus says to Peter, hey, calm down. Don't you know that I could have at my disposal 12 legions of angels? That's 72,000 in case you're wondering. Angels come to help me do this. Jesus says, Peter, calm down, I got this. 
and then he heals Malchus's ear. So have you ever put yourself in this scene? Do you think he picked the ear up off the ground and reconnected it? Or do you think he touched the side of his head and it grew back? I, I have no idea. But even in his darkest moments, his arrest, Jesus is getting glory because he's the son of God and he's in charge of the universe and everything that we know. And so then we know that um, Jesus goes to the trials. We know that he's beaten. We know that he goes on the Via Dolorosa, the, the way of the cross. And we end up at the crucifixion and then we get to what we're celebrating today, which is Luke 24, one through nine. We get to the story of the resurrection. And we're just gonna read those verses right now and I just want you to take it in. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they, and the they right there is the women who had been with Jesus. And you've got to imagine that they're depressed, right? They have just had their Messiah crucified, he's dead, and so, at best, they're confused. At worst, they're thinking, was this whole thing for the last three years a hoax? Did this even really happen? So that's the heart of the gals going to the tomb. And so they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Now, remember, these ladies didn't have any plan for how to move the stone. It was too heavy for them to move, but they went to that garden tomb anyway. And when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus, but they did find grave clothes there. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly, suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing, and as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to the rest. So if you're those women at the tomb, this is another one of those scenes Right, you're going, the stone's rolled away, you have no idea how that happened. You walk in, you see grave clothes, you have no idea what's happening, you're confused and perplexed, and then all of a sudden, you get the white, dazzling angels, okay, that they fall to the ground, they're terrified, because they don't know what this is, and then they start reading your mail. They tell you about conversations that you've had in the previous weeks. Can you imagine I want you to imagine, right, just what is just this overwhelming scene that's taking place. And so what's great, or not great, but interesting is that the women go back to the disciples and they're so depressed, they're like, we don't believe you. And then all of a sudden in the next hours and in the next days and in the next week, Jesus starts to appear, right? He appears to the disciples without Thomas. He appears to the disciples with Thomas. He meets the disciples and specifically Peter on the beach to restore him. And then he's seen by hundreds, 500 people, the scripture says, that he's seen by. And all of a sudden, this is starting to make sense. 
oh yeah, those things that he taught us those last three years are starting to make sense. And so they began to understand that they were in the middle of something really significant. And I wanna make sure you understand today on Easter Sunday that you are in the middle of something significant. It should be life-altering for you. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 17. Just in one sentence, he just says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sin. So Paul's just saying, this is the thing. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you can disprove this, Christianity is a hoax. And so something really significant is happening for those women at the tomb, but really significant for us as well. And so we're gonna talk about four things that help us understand the significance of the resurrection. And so, so when the Father spoke from heaven, he said, I've already glorified my name and I'm about to do it. Let's look at how he did it through the cross and the resurrection. And so for just a second, I just wanna talk to my friends that are here, um, some folks that may be here but aren't Christ followers. Right? You've never made a decision to follow Christ. We're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're asking questions. And so what I wanna do for just a second is just kinda remind all of us that we ask, all human beings basically ask three basic questions. Whether they're conscious of it or not, they're kind of three philosophical questions or three foundational questions, however you want to say it. But the first one is, why am I here? Why am I on this earth? The second is, what's wrong with this place? Why is there sin and suffering and death when God says he's good, but this doesn't look very good to me? And then the third question is, what's the answer to what's wrong with this place? And so if you're here and not a Christ follower, I just wanna give you the answers to those three key philosophical questions straight from God's word and straight from a Christian worldview. And so the answer to the first question, why am I here, is really very simple. It's because God loves you and he's got a plan and a purpose for your life and he wants to spend all of eternity with you. If you have never heard that before, that is the message of the Bible. God loves you. He's got a plan for your life, and he wants to live with you forever. That's, that was his heart from the very beginning. But then we've got to go to that second question that's what's wrong with this place, right? If that's true and God's in control, what's wrong with this place? Well, it goes back to that first thing is that God loved us so much that he gave mankind, humankind, a choice as to whether to follow him or not. And Adam and Eve, in the garden, chose to turn their backs on God and walk away from him. And because of that choice, we are experiencing the consequences because all of us are dead in our sins. We're sinful, and we are experiencing the consequences of that decision, and it's why People seek power. It's why people seek money. It's why they seek their own self-gratification, 
right? It's why they're looking out for number one. And so that's why all of the crazy that's going on in our world is going on. That's the answer. What's wrong with this place? Mankind just decided he wanted to go his own way, and we're experiencing the consequences. And then the third, that third great question is, is there an answer to what's wrong with this place? And the answer is an unequivocal yes. There's an answer because this good God that loves us, who had mankind turn his back on him, sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. And for 33 years, he was here and he went to the cross and he paid the price for my sin and your sin. And then he rose from the dead to prove that he has victory over death. And if you have a relationship with him, if you trust him, he has redeemed and restored that broken relationship. Not everything in our world is restored, but your heart as a Christ follower is restored and now you're back in relationship with this God of the universe that's in control. And one of these days in the future, he's gonna come back and he's gonna set it all right. There's gonna be justice for everything that has happened when he returns. So if you're here and you're not a follower of Christ, we're so glad you're here. And we just wanna walk, we just wanna walk with you. Right? If you would let us know that you're exploring the claims of Christ or the claims of Christianity, we just we wanna walk with you and just help you under, understand what the Bible really says, who Jesus really was. Watch the truth about those things. So how do you give God glory? You give him glory because he's got the answer to the three foundational questions of life. Let me give you the second reason. And that is for us who claim to be Christ followers, it's a reminder that what you believe is true and it is grounded in history. Okay, there was a literal physical Jesus Christ that walked on this earth. There was a literal, physical crucifixion and resurrection that took place, and it was confirmed by hundreds of people. And so let's read 1 Corinthians 15, three through six. It says this, for I delivered to you as a first importance, again, this is Paul to the Corinthian church, as a first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, that's Cephas, Peter, then to the 12, and that after that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time. And so it's real. Hey, Christian, this is real. This happened. And it's why we can stand firm and who we are as Christ followers. You've heard me talk here before. There's probably only 7% of the U.S. population these days that claim to be Bible-believing Christ followers. And I just want to remind you, if that's you, you're not crazy. Okay? But we, we are a minority. And so we have to stand firm, stand strong on the truth of God's word. And so it's, how do we give God glory? We are reminded as believers, okay, that this is true and real. We can stand on it and we be, can be courageous. The third reason this is so significant is that Jesus' resurrection guarantees your resurrection. 
And so we don't stop and think about that very often, do we? That's a really big deal. The reason the resurrection matters so much is it guarantees the fact that if you're a Christ follower, you're gonna be raised from the dead and you are gonna live eternally with Christ. I want that. It's great. It's why they call it the good news. It's so important. Look at John 11, 25 through 27. This is when he's talking to Mary and Martha. Just as Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the son of God, even he who comes into the world. Folks, the resurrection of Jesus Christ really matters for a lot of reasons. And so one of the stories from 2020 that just kind of stayed with me, some of y'all know Meg McKinley, who's uh, on our staff and leads our women's ministry in amazing ways. And so Meg kind of walked through the final days of her dad's life uh, over the course of the last part of 2020. And she was so kind to just let us in to how to love and care for somebody. Well, I got discipled by Meg as she was loving this dying parent. He had a terminal diagnosis and had anywhere from two to six months to live. And she got to spend some great time with him. And she was up there for a couple of weeks. She'd come back for a little bit and we'd get to sit and talk. And if she was helping us know how to do this really well, she just said that, that her dad would wake up every morning disappointed that he wasn't with Jesus. Like there was this, oh, hi, Meg, right? Kind of, kind of that kind of a deal. Now let's live the day. But he woke up disappointed that he wasn't with Jesus because his faith was going to become sight. He had been a Christ follower most of his life, had raised a great family, had served in incredible ways in their church. And he's like, man, I'm tired. Let's go. To live is Christ, to die is gain. The resurrection of Jesus Christ matters. It matters for us. And so we've got a really good application this year, right? I have never seen 40 years of ministry, anything take the church off of mission like COVID has. And this is not a commentary on masks, okay? This is just, it has pulled us off mission. And so I just want to ask you a question. Have you pulled back because you're afraid of dying if you get the virus? Or have you just appropriately been cautious, which there's a great reasons to be cautious. But the world needs the church to be on mission. Okay, and, and just... And we've just pulled back. And so I just think we need to engage and engage and engage cautiously. My mom's 86 years old and she kind of what I would say hyper quarantined for the, for the first three weeks and she's in decent health. And so, I mean, we were wearing masks and eating lunch and dinner 10 feet away from each other and not touching the same stuff and all that. And finally, I just went to my mom and I said, look, mom, something's gonna get you and something's gonna get me. Okay, at some point, it's gonna get us. And so we can either pull back and isolate from each other until this thing has run its course, or we can trust God and we can have a great however many months God gives us. And my mom said, let's go, let's live life, right? And we've had an amazing year 
right? Time to get, and I was discipled by my mom, right? Because she was like, yeah, let's go. She loves Christ. She knows where she's going. And so how do you, how do you give God glory? Man, you live on mission without being afraid of dying. Let's go, church. Come on, we need to be out there and engaging appropriately, cautiously, giving consideration to others is more important than ourselves, but we need to be out there. And so the last thing I wanna say about the significance of the resurrection is this, just that it's a reminder that we have of the hope of transformation. So let me look at Philippians 3, 9 through 11. It says this. This is Paul to the Philippian church. Paul says that I may know him, which is Jesus, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So I just wanna remind you, the cross and the resurrection gives you the power to change. It gives you the power to be transformed. Parents, if you want your kids to walk deeply with Christ, they need to see a dad who two years ago was angry and short-tempered And two years later, he's a dad who is kind and tender and seeking to understand. And you know what that does? Your kids, who as they grow up, they start to understand their sinfulness and their selfishness, and they understand, oh man, I can change because my parents believe in the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it gives them hope. If you wanna be effective for the gospel, Okay, you know what, what happens when you're, when you're transformed? People look at you and say, what happened? We cannot program well enough at City Bridge. We can't manipulate. We cannot do anything to, the power, to, to invoke the power of God. We just wanna be available. And when we're available, God goes to work in people's lives. And so if you doubt any of that, look at your Bible, right? Look at who the disciples were before the resurrection, okay? Running away like crazy, as fast as they could. And then look at the disciples after the resurrection. 11 of the 12 of them were martyred for their faith as they were spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't think the resurrection has power to transform lives? It does, and that's such good news for me and for you. And so how do you give God glory? You live a transformed life. And you don't even have to work at it. When your life is transformed, you don't even have to work at giving God glory. It happens automatically. Now the transformation, yielding to God, that's work. Okay, but as it happens, okay, God gets the glory that he Deserves And so you live a life of praying and repenting and listening and obeying. And I love the songs that we're singing this morning that we're living with purpose and our identity is in Christ and all those things. And it allows us to give God glory because we're transformed. And so we see those stories in the life of Jesus. Okay. 
And now I wanna help you have eyes to see and ears to hear what's going on around here so that you'll see them and you'll say glory to God and you'll put God on the throne of your life. Folks, we're seeing lives transformed, we're seeing marriages healed, we're seeing folks set free from addiction, we're seeing junior high and high school kids that are making really good decisions in the face of a culture that's trying to sweep them away from the things of God. I mean, God is on the move. And I want you to start paying attention. I wanna start paying attention. It's why we do stories almost every week, live testimonies. Here's what God's doing. We're not done today. You're gonna hear some more after the message that God is at work and on the move. And so let me remind you of some of those stories. And so several weeks ago, Quentin Tobolko was up here. He was mired in substance abuse, chaos in all his relationship, and now he's an amazing husband and dad with an amazing wife running to the chaos that's in others' lives. Trevor Eichmann came to Christ here a couple of years ago, and the reason he came to Christ is because of you, City Bridge, the way that you loved on his parents is they lost a son way too early in his life. He lost a brother and he watched City Bridge love them and he goes, I gotta, I gotta have some of that. And now he's a Christ follower and he's discipling some of your students. Folks, that's the power of God. I can't make that up. I can't manip manipulate it. I can't strategize for it. That is the power of God. Andre Sampson's a guy that's on our staff. He's a friend and has, we talk a lot about his deep father wound because I have one of those and we talk about those things. And so now, because of the power of the resurrection, he's a fully devoted dad, a healthy dad to his own kids and he's the spiritual father to hundreds of your kids. It's the power of the resurrection. The Baileys, Andy and Jenna were up here and were stuck in a living a life defined by performance they were trying to earn acceptance, trying to earn love, and today they live in freedom because of the power of the gospel. Here's the amazing thing about the Baileys. Every time they talk about Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, which talks about the grace of God that you can't earn it, right, they tear up. We were trying to do run-throughs a couple weeks ago, and they couldn't get through practice, as they're thinking about the significance of Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 in their life. And they're having a significant impact on the lives of others because of the transformation of Jesus Christ. Last week, Amy Merritt was up here. Amy was a hard-hearted, independent, but God softened her heart as she had a child and she goes, oh, I can't believe how much I love my child. And she's like, oh yeah, that's how much God loves me and her life was transformed, and now she heals the ailments, physical ailments of people at our clinic. And now she leads Shelter one of the from the Storm, which is one of our recovery ministries, helping women work through abuse. And she's making a difference for the sake of Christ. Last week, after first service, I've got a, a new friend in my life that comes up, and he goes, hey, Kegs, I, I don't know what's going on, but my heart's pounding right now. He's like, look, the message, the music, the way I was greeted when I came in here, so, something's happening and I can't explain it. And I think, I say to him, I think I got a clue what's going on here, all right? So we sit down and in three minutes, four minutes, I just say, hey, tell me your story. And in his story, he just several times, he says, 
man, I'm trying to be good and man, I'm trying to willpower it and white knuckle it and all. And you could just tell there was angst in his life. And so I took my Bible and I turned to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, the same verse that transformed the Baileys. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, lest any man should boast. And I had him read that out loud. And we talked for a little bit more. And I said, hey, do you want to start that gift of a relationship today? And he said, yes. And he started, he started his walk with Jesus. And then Monday morning, I sent him an email that had a Bible study on it, just a really simple Bible study with some verses. And in 30 minutes, he sent me an email back and he goes, that's amazing. And I'm like, yeah, we've been talking about it forever right around here. But that's the power of the gospel. It's the power of the resurrection. I mean, do you think I didn't go home and give God glory after that conference? I didn't do that. It was 10 minutes. I just asked him some questions and showed him God's word and God got glory. And so I wanna read one more story to you just to remind you about the power of God. This is personal, this is a family story. Some of you that have walked with the Keglers for, for years know that I've got a daughter who has battled um, an autoimmune disease for the last seven or eight years. So much so that when she was, her later years in high school, she missed so much school, we didn't think she was gonna be able to go to college. And we went to 10 different doctors and had no answers. And so the good news is we got a little bit of relief enough for her to be able to go to college and she had a good college experience, but, but it's been a rough seven or eight years. She's probably living on 50% of the energy uh, that she had in her junior high and high school days. And, and it's been tough. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, Kendall posted an Instagram thought um, that reminded me of the power of God. So if you'll bear with me, I'm just gonna read it to you and then just we'll talk about it for just a second. It says this. Kendall says, a day that I and my people have been praying would come for nearly seven years. My first ever test that was clear of Lyme and chronic Epstein-Barr virus and a huge step towards healing. There was still a long way to go, but wow. We hadn't even hoped that the surgery would be this successful or that the Lord would be this kind, but he was. He gave undeserved healing and favor on Monday, that's when the test was, and I still don't have the words to thank, it, thank him for it, praise him. But I couldn't come on here on Instagram and just share this good news or promote that God is good when he heals or that he is good when he gives what we ask for because that has not been my story for the past seven years. Yes, it is the sweetest and richest thing to receive unearned gifts from my loving father. But my story has been one of wrestling through the character of the Lord when he leaves hard things in the lives of his children. Who is he when you live with daily pain and private suffering? Does he care? Will he heal? Is he near? Why won't he take this from me? As I have wrestled with these questions, he has met me in again and again with truth that I had read before getting sick, but that I have now experienced firsthand. He never promised me easy. And she's got verses out beside each one of these. He has been close on the best and worst days. 
His best is to be trusted over mine. His character is constant when my circumstances are not. He uses suffering to sanctify. He is beyond worthy of my hope, my trust, and my praise. Through this sickness, he has started each of my days with a reminder of my brokenness and dependence on him. He has grown intimacy and relationship from walking through doubt, fear, and hard together. He has been near when I am simply broken and sad. He has relentlessly proven that his ways are higher and better than what I can understand. His character is not just good when he gives, it's good always. When he heals and when he withholds, that is the tagline of my story and I pray we talk about his character honestly and often. Ask me about it sometimes. Folks, that is not great parenting. Okay, that is living in the furnace of trial for seven years and I'm getting discipled by my daughter. I nearly handed in my resignation after I, after I did that. And I get discipled by all my girls, my family, and it is awesome. But see, we didn't do a ministry that helped her understand that Right? We didn't, we certainly wouldn't have planned seven years of autoimmune disease. And that is the power of God. And so, eyes to see and ears to hear, there's silent stories going on all around you. And the way that you hear those stories is you initiate and you ask questions. And when you see it, you tell other people about it and you give God the glory. And so, let me close with this. The great news for us is that what Jesus did on the cross and the resurrection 2,000 years ago, that's more than enough for us to believe in Christ and his resurrection. But the great news is it doesn't just have to be that. God is on the move right now in you, through you, around you, and we just have to recognize it. And we need to tell the stories over and over and over again because when I see that stuff, I'm like, glory to God. That's how we give God glory. And so I would just tell you on Easter Sunday that the resurrection is significant for you for so many reasons. So church, let's go. Let's believe it in our core and let's go tell the world about it. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at CityBridgeCC. See you next time.